0: Hear ye, hear ye, the citizens of CMO Alliance are pleased to announce an episode of the CMO Combo for you to enjoy, full of marketing insights and advice for leaders. We're big fans of communities on CMO Combo. After all, we're the podcast for the CMO Alliance community. We know they're great for networking connections, but what role could a good community play in your B2B sales cycle? Dana Salmon knows how they can play a vital role, and she's with us to share where and when they can be effective, how to leverage them, and how to set up and run communities that can drive revenue and sales. Hi, Donna. Welcome to CMO Convo. How are you doing today?
1: Good. How are you, Will?
0: I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for asking. Yeah, it's a, a rainy day in Manchester, but when is it not? But we'll we'll stay dry and warm with a, a good, healthy CMO Convo today. I hope you're excited for it, Donna.
1: Yeah, I'm very excited. Let's do it.
0: It's, it's going to be a, a fun conversation to have as well, I think, because we're talking about Something that I feel that isn't given enough, like focus in B2B circles, and that's the role of communities, not just communities in terms of like, oh, let's keep customers engaged, but what functions they play in the sales cycle, because that's always got to be top of mind for CMOs. But before we dig into that really, really interesting topic, Donna, maybe you could tell us a bit about your background and why this topic was such an important one that you wanted to talk about today.
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm Dana Salman. I'm a fractional full lifecycle marketing advisor. Um, I've been in the marketing game specializing in B2B SaaS uh, for over 17 years now, and I've pretty much done the whole gamut of marketing from product positioning, messaging, go-to-market, brand, content, digital, demand gen, communities, and ABM. Um, And I think this this topic uh, of communities is very critical to marketers, especially B2B marketers nowadays, is because... The market is very competitive, and people are looking to grow their competitive edge, whether it's through learning new skills, networking, uh, building relationships with peers, or learning about new innovations that can help them succeed. Uh, So communities uh, represent a critical um, space for all of these needs that the market has nowadays.
0: Definitely, definitely. And and I imagine it's going to become more and more important moving forwards. I think communities are going to maybe plug that gap that might appear in people's SEO strategies, people's organic traffic strategies. With the rise of AI, I think communities can be incredibly important to make sure that we're reaching our audiences.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to be a huge lever to ensure growth and I mean, we, we're all kind of longing for um, authenticity and connection, and I feel like customers, whether it's B2B or B2C, are getting very jaded from marketing messages, whether that's ads or a webinar that's a thinly veiled sales pitch um or a linkedin request that's a sales rep trying to sell you something you know so people are really longing for that connection with their peers on a professional level and and learning from peers and uh, sharing their own knowledge as well
0: yeah i think people have wised up to the whole like personalization thing these days like people aren't like satisfied just oh the email's got my name in it oh they know who i am like now that things like AI, again, to bring it up, are in the mainstream. People know about these tactics and tools that marketers are doing. They know that we're not personally addressing every single email to the people that are going out. So communities are going to be that kind of authentic connection that we can build with our audiences.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think marketers tend to oversaturate and overdo things to the point where it just loses all um, effectiveness because people start seeing through it. Um, But if you come from a place of like respecting your audience, and you come from a place of being your customer or your prospects, uh, advisor, their partner, their educator, without being uh, condescending or patronizing, um, I think companies that succeed in doing that uh, will really win, especially when we're, you know, Staring at the barrel end of a upcoming recession, that a lot of folks are starting to plan for. You know what? Marketing budgets are going to get cut. Advertising budgets are going to get cut. So how are you going to ensure that pipeline uh, is is uh, healthy uh, with all these new challenges presented in the market?
0: Let's talk about the the impact of um, of communities on pipeline on on the sales cycle because. Well, the sales funnel even, because to my mind, community seems to be a very, very obvious benefit for the post-sale, but increasing that customer lifetime value for keeping customers engaged, like it's it's an added benefit to the the sale. But what is the function pre-sale? What is the function for prospects and all that good upper, middle and lower funnel goodness?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think creating a or empowering your customers with a community is absolutely critical to building trust I mean when you're asking a company or a, or someone in who works in a company to make a very big, decision whether it's you know rip and replace a piece of software that's 50 100 dollars train their staff on it and this and that you're it's a big risk so you're asking folks to take a big risk on you how do you how can they trust you how do you build trust but if you're if you're um if you've created a, a space where you know, you share your your skills and your experience with your prospects and your community members and you highlight them, uh, you feature them, they learn from their peers and it becomes this hub of learning and discussion. Then you build that trust and you alleviate that concern about risk in their minds because they know they can trust you because you've already shown them value. That's really it. Um, The example of a webinar, you know, I've attended webinars that have been really valuable and I've learned a lot from the speakers and just having the discussion with other folks on there. I've been to webinars that were just a thinly veiled sales pitch, which I did not learn anything about. And it really turned me away from that company. Um, So it's really about, it's really beneficial in uh, building trust. And the other thing I would say is the customer journey has really changed. Um, Customers are doing their own research. They're learning from their peers on social spaces. You've heard the term dark social. These are conversations that you don't even know anything about. They're private Slack channels. They're talking to their colleagues, their peers, and events, and so on. How... How are you going to be a part of that conversation, even when you're not there? It's by offering values, uh, valuable uh, content, valuable education. Um, Companies really need to guide the customer, but not force them through the company's preferred uh, buying process, if that makes sense. We have to play by the customer's rules, which is you know, teach me, let me learn, let me trust you first, and then we can have a discussion. Um, I would say another benefit of community, you mentioned the after sales, but even with the pre-sales, I mean, you're building brand awareness with new leads. And if you can get prospects hearing from current customers how great you are and how great your products and services have helped them in their business, that's magic. No no ad campaign can buy that, right? Um, so that's really, really powerful. The other thing is, is when you're launching something new in the market, you have a room full, a virtual room or or an in-person room of, of experts where they'll give you feedback right away of like, this is not really top of mind for us, but you know what really is, it's this thing right here. So it really can influence um, your marketing strategy, your product strategy, your go-to-market, your content, a whole whole bunch of things.
0: I like what you said about the the conversations happening that you're not aware of, because if people wanna talk about your product or your company, they're gonna find a place to go and talk about that online better to have it be in a place where you have some kind of oversight like by a community that you've helped create that's got to be a a really really useful tool for that but just to make sure that you don't want to be jumping in and like censoring the conversation if it is going wrong but you can least sort of guide it in a way that you wouldn't be able to do if it was happening on a social channel that you just don't have control of
1: yeah absolutely and if we zoom out for a second and look at the buyer's journey most companies, I, I forget the, the specific stat, it was something like 95% of the market is not ready to buy yet. <laughs> 95%, you know, that's huge. Um, so what do you do to ensure that when they are ready to buy, you are the, if you are the right fit, and that's the the caveat, what do you do to ensure that they're going to think of you first? you build trust you become their partner you're their advisor um and you help become that um you know empower that peer building network that community for them as well because people also want to grow their own skills and and further their own careers so if you are a critical part of them doing that they're going to trust you so much more
0: definitely definitely and i suppose the the other thing with the these types of communities is they, they allow people to sort of become champions within the community for you, that like you can have like these sort of ambassadors, these kind of really, really passionate people who obviously you can't let them just go off and do whatever they want on the communities. So you need some kind of moderation there, but like you have these people who will champion you and will respond to queries and questions with their own insights, which kind of takes a bit of, bit of pressure off sort of the custom success team or the content team because you've got this UGC system going in providing that kind of value to people
1: yeah absolutely and as the community grows the role of the community ambassador becomes even more critical Um, because as you said you know they're answering questions they're engaging they're keeping the conversation going. And as the community grows, I mean, the moderators might miss something, you know, maybe there's a bad player. I mean, it's rare in in B2B settings, but it does happen. So, you know, the ambassador will flag that. Uh, Beyond that, keeping a community uh, active and keeping the members engaged is absolutely critical to the success of the community because silence is the death of community, I would say.
0: Definitely, definitely. As a, as a community led company, I'm representing here as well for CMO Alliance. Like, I know that definitely. And well, I look forward to having a bit more of a chat about those kinds of engagement um, activities later on. But before we get to that, I just want to touch on one final thing. I've, I've, I'm not sure if this is common practice anymore, but I know historically, there were quite a few brands and products in both the B2B and B2C space, B2C space who used access to the community as sort of like an added bonus to becoming a customer so you didn't even get access to those communities until you'd actually bought into the the product that's not the way to go in the way we're talking about today Donna. i just want to make that clear like it's a, being an access to the community shouldn't be an incentive it should be a way into actually buying the product
1: yeah i mean it always almost sounds backwards because you want people engaged with you and your brand and your customers and your partners and your employees. I mean, that's, that's a bonus. <laughs> I don't understand why people make it like a an additional buy-in feature. Uh, but that sounds backwards to me.
0: It, it, it does. Yeah, it does definitely. Um, and I, I think it has moved away from that system, but I think there is still kind of a place for some sort of those almost like a vip section within communities to try and give people a bit of fomo about like oh if we buy in if we have access to the product we can get into the the cool kids table and sit with them and find out all the fun stuff they're doing what are your thoughts on that kind of approach
1: i think that's that could work but as a as a later kind of strategy because you need that critical mass in the beginning to have community members so i'm a member of Several marketing communities, let's say, including uh the CMO Alliance and um, and, and many others. Um, some of them are free. I've all, I'm also a part of paid communities. Um, and I get value from both communities. I get different, different value. Um, but the the paid ones, I didn't just go in and, and pay for the membership. I I spent like months or even years. Uh, getting free value, quote unquote, from them through their social media platforms, through the content that they shared, through the events that they had. So I already went in trusting them because I'm like, okay, I already learned a lot from you and your guests and the experts that you have on and your other community members are singing your praises. Okay, this is worthwhile for me to invest my time and money into. Um, if If someone tries to do that in the beginning without getting that trust um i don't know how successful that that would be but if you already have a critical mass community whether that's external or internal and you're you're creating this sort of kind of vip tier um that's fine and but as long as the value matches the investment of time and and money that you're asking uh community members to put in
0: Definitely, definitely. Um, so you've already mentioned sort of like two broad categories of communities. You have your paid ones, you have your freed ones. But I imagine there's, I'm, you know, let's scroll back a bit. Actually. Uh, with B2C communities, they're, they're, everyone's pretty familiar with how they work. You have like a social media group where people share posts and stuff and people like talk about their favorite things about a brand or a product or something like that. I imagine B2B communities require a bit more structure, both in terms of like the purpose of the community and the types of people that you, well, the types of audience segments that you want in those communities. Let's sort of drill down into sort of the different types of B2B communities that are out there that people might want to be setting up for their own brands. You mentioned two different, two sort of broad categories already. That's the paid and unpaid. What are the types of communities of B2B customers really looking to engage with?
1: Yeah, Um, I would say there's no kind of cookie-cutter approach to building community. Um, It varies greatly by company and industry, by target audience types, and a bunch of other factors. Um, Size of community, pardon me, size of company, also the resources you have available to ensure that that conversation is going will also impact the types and number of communities that you have. So I would just say here, don't try to do too much too soon because you'll set yourself up for failure. Um, But the broad sort of categories of communities, you have employee communities, um, user communities, customer communities. Those would be the same type of community. uh, Customer, user, developer communities if you're in the SaaS technology space. Uh, You have partner communities. And you have kind of more general educational communities, and these all could be um, external or internal, depending on the case of the specific company and um, industry. Um, You know, so there's a whole bunch of different types of communities that each company could could implement, depending on all of these factors that I mentioned.
0: And I imagine you can utilize these different types of communities almost at different stages within the sales cycle, like I imagine like, yeah, the the partner communities or the more educational ones, that'd be more for sort of top of funnel kind of thing. But as you get more into sort of late funnel or post sale, those kinds of employee user communities are being more important. So is that something that people need to think about in terms of setting up these communities sort of like where they want them to sit within the sales cycle? Or should it be more about what the customers want?
1: Yeah, I would I would say it really does vary greatly. Um, if you're dealing with a huge enterprise, and you create like one community and all your employees join, and your customers join, it's just going to be too too big, like too noisy. Um, so in that case, it would be it would make more sense to have like an employee community and a, and a customer community. But if you're a relatively small or medium-sized organization, having a customer community that includes maybe a few partners, but with ground rules of like no pitching, uh, no selling, et cetera, uh, could, could also work, but it's really about I think, the size, the target audience, and the goal. I mean, what are you trying, what is the objective of this community? Um, similar to how we think of uh, B2C communities, may, yes, there there needs to be more structure in B2B communities, but there is a common goal. You know, a travel group, for example, are all there to talk about travel. Um, if someone starts talking about something else, you know, the the community members just get you know, turned away by that, because it's like, we're here to talk about this specific topic. Similarly, with B2B communities, they're united with a common goal, a common idea. It could be that they all use your software and they need uh, help and guidance with that. So that's more of a user community. It could be that they want to learn how to develop their skills. uh, So that's the more of educational community. Um, and, and so on so there's there there's kind of different variances of that uh, depending on the goal the target audience and the size and resources available
0: and you don't necessarily have to have them on completely separate community platforms and stuff like that completely separate channels they can be channels within a community you can have like, mm-hmm. different different forum wings that kind of thing or different channels on like a slack community for example
1: oh yeah absolutely and there are plenty of of platforms that you can build a a more of an internal uh community uh it could be a linkedin page it could be a a slack channel uh it could be a variety of different things
0: definitely definitely um so let's talk about the actual practicalities of running b2b communities We've kind of touched on this already, but like, what are customers, I imagine it's different depending on the type of community they're looking to join, but let's talk in maybe sort of general terms, like what are customers expecting when they join these types of communities in terms of maybe like the engagement they're seeing already, the types of interactions they might have with staff or even other community members, what could have, what kind of expectations do they have before they even arrive in the community?
1: Yeah, I mean, remember, people are taking time out of their day to engage with your community so make it worth their time Um, people customers partners whatever target audience we're talking about are really expecting to have great conversations to learn to network improve their skills and build connections uh, to varying degrees depending on the community again
0: Definitely, definitely. Say, yeah. Go, go on, Dominic. Did you have more to say on that? Sorry.
1: Oh no, that's that's. I would say that's the main expectation, but again, it's about offering that value, because people are busy and they're taking their you know time out yeah. of their day to be there and engage with your community.
0: Definitely, definitely. Let, let, let's talk a bit more about what engagement looks like on B two B communities. I mean, I think as I said, people might be familiar with B two C these kind of engagement activities you can run there they're like, pretty easy you can just do like a simple like ugc hashtag driven um campaign that kind of thing and you can get some really nice results out of that i can't imagine that being the same in a b2b community what are your experiences with engagement building activities as you said silence is the death of communities so how do you make some noise
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the communities that I've been a part of and also started uh, the types of active activities that were most engaging are those, again, centered around learning, building connections, and very critically, not pitching your product or service. Um, So, again, that hub of learning, hub of connection, communication. In terms of types of activities, um, I really enjoy kind of weekly or bi-weekly casual events. These can be virtual or in person. A lot of the community events I attend now are just virtual, just by nature of the community, because it's international. Um, And there's always kind of a, a, a guided topic Uh, of discussion Um, but it's fairly casual and you know you have a speaker but people can jump in and offer their own ideas and I really learn a lot from these types of events Um, also in-person meetups if that's uh, if that's feasible for your organization community organizational community Uh, it really depends on regional international uh, presence Um, asking questions really you know what what's top of mind challenge what is the top challenge top three challenges that you're dealing with this quarter or this month or this year whatever it is um and the critical one i would say is featuring members featuring members you know highlight highlight them on your socials on your website uh featured member uh, so and so you know really value and appreciate your your community members if you have a podcast or a youtube channel you know feature them on there because they're they'll really feel like they're a part of this uh community like an integral part of this community um and that's again absolutely critical to building and nurturing those types of relationships
0: definitely i mean i I can only speak with experience on that the the cmo alliance community has been an excellent source of guests for this podcast and i Mm -hmm. think uh, in the reverse as well, we've had quite a few people who have started off as guests on the podcast, but then have gone off, gone on to be very prominent members of the community. So it becomes a nice little sort of life cycle for content and community building at the same time. Um, one thing that we found that's been really effective recently is sort of Ask Me Anythings, which have gone mm-hmm. really well. Um, they, but then they do require a bit of moderation, a bit of time investment to make sure that they are run effectively during the time period you have them up. Yeah. One of the, the go on, Donna, go on, what are you going to say?
1: Uh, no, I I, I agree. I mean, ask me any things are, are pretty uh, pretty effective. I, I would put that under the kind of like asking question, mm-hmm. uh, a question uh, category, uh, whether it's a poll or just an open forum for members to ask questions.
0: Um. And then, but speaking of sort of like the level of moderation needed for certain things, um, and as you mentioned, during quite a few international communities, what happens if you don't have someone who can monitor like an international community 24-7? What if you have a, a very local team, but you have an international community? How can you actually make sure you're running the community effectively when your entire staff is asleep, for example?
1: yeah i mean there's a few ways to do it um one would be kind of like scheduled posts you know put out a question uh vary the 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 time zone uh posting i would say so if let's say you know you'll have one one a few days a week where you focus on the, the americas a few days a week that could be one way to do it. The other one is to have, if you have your ambassadors in place, um, having ambassadors on on a different time zone than you could be really helpful because they can keep that conversation going, flag things that are, you know, could be an issue or problematic, uh, while your staff is asleep in the in the other side of the world.
0: Definitely, I, I find the um, the in person meetups are a good source of. Ambassadors to represent different time zones and stuff. Like right? start start them off running a meetup in um, a certain location, maybe a place where you're not able to get an event there, not able to get boots on the ground, for example. Mm-hmm. And then they become sort of the ambassador, almost like the chapter head for the community in that area. It, it can be a really fun and um, interesting way of building up those kinds of connections and those kinds of dedicated members of the community to sort of let them lead the charge a little bit in furthering the community themselves. Obviously with like guidance and making sure they're staying on brand and they're not discussing stuff that wouldn't reflect the community in a good light, but yeah, like that kind of like autonomy for certain community members I think can be a good way of building up the kind of status in the community themselves and also the connection with the brand.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? Reward these people also, you know, it doesn't have to be a monetary reward. It could be uh, a swag bag. It could be uh, a coffee card or, or something like that. Just a, a small gesture to show your appreciation for their efforts and their time, because, you know, they're not getting paid for this. Um, and they're really helping out your company and your community. So I That's think it. just reward them and make sure they feel valued and, and, uh, nurtured and taken care of
0: definitely and even something as simple as just giving them like a specific icon that they can put on like a tag or something they can put Mm -hmm. on their name to show that they are like this valued member of the community i'm not saying you should stop there but like people can be happy with that for sure
1: yeah absolutely
0: um so we talked about this mainly from sort of a marketing perspective who are the other stakeholders who are important within a business to get a community up and running like do we need like sales involved? Do we need other stakeholders? Like who are the other departments that marketing needs to be working with on this?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if it depends on the type of community, Mm -hmm. so for example, partners, let's say you have a partner's community, definitely sales need to be involved in that. Um, if you have a customer community, customer success, uh, or customer service need to be a part of that, uh, community, um, product i would say because if you're getting insights and feedback from community members on new features new things that they that are missing uh, things that they're seeing competitors doing etc um these insights i think can be invaluable for uh the product team as well um And, you know, it might be good for the leadership team to kind of lurk, maybe, and just like, listen, Uh, I wouldn't say like not to take over the conversation. But if you want to kind of sit in the corner and listen to what's going on, that's fine. Um, But yeah, it really depends on the on the type of community.
0: Definitely, definitely. Um, That's that's all build a bit more on sort of that that product angle because we, we've talked about a lot in sort, sort of the sales cycle but let's talk about the role in sort of product development there's a little bit towards the end of this conversation seems to me community is the ultimate voice of the customer resource like what are your thoughts on on leveraging it that way
1: yeah i mean i think the i've i've worked with uh quite a few engineering and product teams in my day and they really fall into two categories The I will build it and they will come, you know, I'll just kind of build it in my lab in my office without any insights or I'll just get the insights that agree with my hypothesis and I'll just build what I want. But the really smart uh, product uh, owners, engineers, technical uh, team members know that they're building something for someone to use, to be to get value from. Um so getting those insights in the beginning and you know it doesn't. It's not solely going to drive your product strategy because, especially when you're creating a, a, a new category or a, or a completely innovative product that doesn't really exist in the market, so customers don't have that frame of reference. It might take a while for people to get used to the idea. You know, Uber, uh, when they first came out, was you know people laughed at them when they were pitching it they're like are you crazy why would anyone do that like we'll just take a taxi airbnb same thing like when you have these kind of category creating um companies Uh, customers' feedback might not be that helpful, but for the majority of companies, I would say that are operating in in a fairly established category, getting those insights and that feedback early on can really guide your product strategy so that you don't spend six months to a year building something that customers aren't really thinking about or worried about at this moment and like missing out on, more critical things that you're for example your competitors might be doing so having that open conversation i think is critical just to kind of not go down the wrong path when it comes to product development um and make sure it's in line with the market's needs and and challenges as well uh,
0: airbnb and uber are great examples of those sort of employee well i know they're not necessarily employees but those communities for i guess the partners airbnbs like owners and Uber drivers to the countless partners. I'm trying to think of a better way of putting them. But yeah, like those communities, I think are a large part of the success of those brands, Like those communities connecting the drivers or connecting the Airbnb owners. So I suppose as well, like having some kind of community for your, your frontline teams as well, your frontline sales teams could be really effective, both in terms of making sure that they're staying on message and doing their job properly, but also being able to share sort of the feedback that they're getting from customers.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're kind of in a bit of hot water uh, nowadays. Um, But uh, that's, that's what I mean with the kind of feedback loop to keep that open. So what the Airbnb CEO did, which I thought was quite clever. I mean, as I said, you know, the company's kind of in, in a bit of hot water nowadays, but what he did was he traveled around and he stayed in different Airbnbs with kind of a, like a pseudonym. And he kind of saw the problems that the community was complaining about firsthand because people were saying, you know, the spaces weren't clean. I was expected to do too much. I've been charging, I'm getting charged all these different fees that don't make sense, um, etc. So how, learning about that from a first person um, experience or point of view, I think will help them kind of hopefully solve these problems and and continue their their growth. So online communities or or these virtual types of communities for hosts and customers, in the case of Airbnb, um, is kind of like the virtual version of that because you're speaking directly to the hosts or customers or what have you.
0: Definitely, definitely. So... Done. We've covered a lot here. Um, let's see if we can pull things together um, in terms of really selling the uh, the power of communities for the B two B sales cycles. What do you think are sort of the the golden rules that you need to follow and the pitfalls that you need to avoid? Like maybe if you've got like three of each, maybe to to bring everything together. But no worries if you haven't got that many, because that is six things to come up with right now at the end of this podcast.
1: Oh no, that's that's totally fine. I would say building for building a community don't try to do too much too soon know who your target audience is and what they want their goals their challenges etc make sure your internal stakeholders are bought in Um, and this will really help you know put in a process to capture that feedback and those insights. Um, Make sure you have a moderator um, to ensure the community's engaged. Remember, silence is the death of the community. Mm -hmm. Uh, Make sure that the community's engaged and everyone's uh, being respectful and and there are no kind of issues in that sense. Um, In terms of common mistakes, uh, like I said, don't do too much too fast. I think that's a a main one. And, uh, you know, not having a goal or having too many goals trying to be everything uh for everyone uh and trying to pitch uh pitch your service or product um sharing like new features is different i would say you're not trying to like sell them they're just you know presenting that information um but don't you know common mistakes is like trying to pitch and uh also be unique. Like what is the val- unique value that you're offering your audience? Um, if you don't have one and you're just the, another run-of-the-mill community, it's going to be difficult for you to attract and engage um, community members.
0: Awesome. Some great some great best practices and some great mistakes to avoid right there. Thank you very much, Dana. Um, I'm fully convinced of the power community, and I think our audience definitely should be by the time we're, they're done listening to this. So thank you very much for your time today, Donna. I really enjoyed this conversation.
1: Thank you. I really enjoyed speaking with you, Will.
0: Well, thank you for joining me, and thank you very much to our audience as well. We'll be back soon with some more CMO combos. Like what you heard from this CMO combo? Make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave a rating so the whole world knows how great it was.